Ag State of Mind, episode 71. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I'm your host, Jason Meadows, and today on the show, we're going to take a little bit of a deviation from what I thought we were going to do. I thought I was going to do a solo episode. Uh, Turns out I wanted to shift a little bit and go into this transition with from nutrition to health and fitness and all why that can be so beneficial to our mental health and overall health, obviously. And I'm going to feature my friend, Sammy Bullen. Sammy has been a longtime supporter of the podcast. She and I have followed one another on social media, and she is so supportive to not only this podcast, to all, but also to my wife, Carrie's mission for her fitness and for our yoga studio. And I'm just so happy to have and blessed really to have her support. We talk about her fitness journey. We talk about how she, her big why for being as fit and healthy as possible is, is that she wants to farm for a long time and as, for as long as she's able. So, I mean, I just, I think that's a wonderful why. And if, if we know our why behind our fitness and our nutrition, we are going to be much more likely to succeed. So uh, before we get started with Sammy, I wanted to introduce everyone to the Patreon Plus membership. It's a chance for you to support this podcast, but also have some exclusive content. Every month, I'm going to put out one extra podcast to Patreon Plus members. And also, we're going to have a monthly book club club where we discuss some sort of self-development nonfiction book together, um, and maybe even some fiction books down the road. I don't know, but uh, if you want, if you're interested in that, interested in supporting the podcast even further, go to Patreon.com/slash/AgStateOfMind. Uh, the link is also in my Instagram bio. Bio, excuse me. So, all right, here we go with my friend Sammy Bolin. All right, Sammy Bowen, welcome to the Ag State of Mind podcast. How are you this evening? Great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh yeah, this is uh, this is cool. We've been connected on social media for quite a long time now, and you know it's it's great to actually put a voice with the words on the screen. Absolutely, I've been listening to your podcast since you started it, and following you and your wife. Watching your wife launch her yoga studio was amazing. So it's just an honor to be on this podcast, and I thank you. Oh, well, cool. Well, I I appreciate that. So tell everybody about where you are. I mean, you're a fellow Missourian, uh, but tell everybody about what you do, where you are. And, you know, we're going to get into your your health transformation here in a little bit, but I want everybody to kind of get a good idea of what you do. So um, I work two jobs. First, I work for the University of Missouri in the Extension Center. I'm a youth a youth program associate for 4-H, and then I'm also a realtor through Century 21 in Bolivar. My husband works for BNSF Railway and hauls oversized equipment, and then we are fourth-generation cattle farmers. We run a cow-calf operation. We have three kids that are seven, five, and four, 
And in the summertime, we are on the show circuit. We show pigs and cattle. And with all of that, we are very busy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Showing cattle is, I, I never got into the, we, we, we did pigs one year and it was a disaster for us. So we stick to cattle and we started in the lambs now too. So, I mean, having kids in 4-H is, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress, but it's a blessing. It is a huge blessing. You know, me and my husband had that conversation earlier that it is so much we're looking into got our heifer and then we'll probably purchase two to three pigs for the season. And I'm already anticipating the busyness, but then at the end of the summer, you look back and you don't really remember the busyness as you remember all the experiences and all the friendships and everything that was made over the summer with 4-H and showing. Oh yeah. I understand. You know, I didn't really, you know, obviously I did it growing up. It was big for me, but I, I may, I might've, looking at it from a parent's perspective is so different because you get to see like these bonds and these friendships, these kids form with one another. That's my favorite part of it is getting this, just to see them interact and help one another. And, and just, you can see, tell these kids are really just, they're true friends because they're like doing all this stuff together and they are competing, but it's a, it's a friendly competition and it's, it's just a, it's a great way to raise kids. It is definitely. I mean, so Kenton, our oldest, he's seven, two years ago, he got to go watch one of our friend's girls go show, she shows Red Angus at the state fair. And he was just in awe of her and all, all he could think about was, I want to show cows. I want to show our cows. So this year he actually got to buy his heifer from that same girl. So it's kind of this circle of friendships. And like you said, you get competitive and you want to win, but at the end of the day, it's the friendships that you see your kids bond with that is is the best. Yeah, I saw you had a picture of your son and his heifer on Instagram, and she is yeah. a, she's a cutie. She's a, she's nice. She is she's nice. She's super sweet. The only time she balls is when we're not paying attention to her. I mean, oh uh, yeah, she's super, one of those. She's super sweet. Yeah, <laughs> she she'll be. It's gonna be nice when she's gentle now, but she'll be a real pain in the butt for the rest of her life. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm like. When we turn her out, you know, in two years when we're done showing her, we'll turn out in the field and she'll just sit there and ball for grain. I know she will. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I know. So let's let's get into your health journey, and it's it's something that I think is with especially with folks who live in rural America, folks that live that are involved in agriculture. Traditionally, we don't take this stuff super serious. And you know, I know for me, I didn't take it serious, and for lots of people, we don't. We just I don't know why. I don't know why we don't take it serious, but it just seems like we don't. So I mean, I'm interested to see like. Tell me about that. Tell me about how, why you started and like what kind of pushed you in that direction. So growing up, we played ball and I cheered. And so I was very healthy and my parents pushed us to be in shape and take health seriously. Well, then, you know, after you get married and you have kids, you kind of let it go wayside, your jobs and your farm and your kids come first. So my, I had gained a little bit of weight before my first, but then I developed gestational diabetes with my first child mm -hmm. and it was very serious. And they took him early because the diabetes was, was just so bad. And so mm -hmm. after I had him, I had some hormone problems and had gained probably another 20 to 30 pounds. Well, my, I always monitored my blood sugar and my blood sugar started raising again. And I just had made a decision that I don't want to be on medicine the rest of my life. And I've seen what it does to my family. 
you know, when you have grandparents that have diabetes and you have family members that do, and you see them having to take their blood sugars and having to rely on medicine to make them healthy, you don't want that. And I didn't want my kids to see me struggle with that. And so um, I just started off just eating healthy like I used to and exercising. Um, and that's kind of just snowballed. So after every child that I had, I had three kids in three and a half years. Oh, and wow. so um, I had worked out and I'd ate healthy through the pregnancies with my girls. And then after I had my third, I decided that I was going to do a more, they call it a diabetic diet where you don't eat a lot of carbs or a lot of sugars. And I had good success with that, but you know, as well as your wife knows when you start into fitness, your goals progress. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had bigger goals. And so I had kind of watched one of my friends from high school compete in a fitness competition. And I thought, you know, it would be really cool to do that as a mother of three and a farmer and a full-time working mom to be able to do that and show my kids that at any age you can do anything. And it's important to take your health seriously because you don't know at, at 50 and 60, I want to still be farming. I still want to have the physical ability to go out and cut hay and break hay and bale hay and work with my cows and not have my health be in jeopardy of that. Yeah, because, you know, how many, you know, I can't, I can't say a definite number, but like, I, I hear about it all the time where, and not just in farming and just in rural life in general, I'll take this example. We had a, we had a guy who, he was my high school basketball coach. Great guy, great friend, is a teacher. Everybody loved him. And he, but he, you know, he was, he was in bad health and he, first time he ever went deer hunting, he shot a deer and he drug it out of the woods and, you know, he, obviously that was super taxing on him. He wasn't in great shape. And that, that afternoon he had a heart attack and died. And because of the stress that he had put on his body and to kind of put it in full perspective, like you say, you want to be able to do these things as long as you can. And, you know, that's when you have that sort of long-term motivation, it makes it, it makes your decision making much easier. Yes. And then you want, and I know there's people out there that don't have children, but my biggest, one of my biggest motivators is my children. Like when I go work out, we just have a home gym because we're just very rural and I don't have time to drive 30 minutes in or spend 30 minutes after work. So I just come home and I work out and I can work out when I, when I want. And when I work out, my kids go out there and work out with me. And I feel like that's setting a huge example to the upcoming generations that maybe the generations before us didn't set a good mental and physical health example that we can set for the next generation of farmers coming up that they can see, you know, my parents did take time for their health and so can I. Right. And I find it very interesting that your parents did because not a whole lot of people of that generation, especially rurally did that. I mean, I, you talked to, we talked before we started recording, your mom's an athletic director. So, I mean, obviously that was a big part of her life, but it was, I mean, what else, what other kind of motivations were there there? There was, we just had, um, our upbringing. Um, we just played sports and it, my mom always cooked healthy as best as she could for three kids. I mean, she was a working full-time mom too. And my dad was also on the railroad, but my dad also made time. If he was gone, he would find gyms where he was at to work out. And so they both just set a good example for us growing up that if you 
if you take the time and it doesn't take, everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. Yeah. 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 If you work out for 30 minutes a day or an hour a day, everybody has the same 24 hours. You may have to sacrifice 30 minutes of sleep, but you're doing yourself a favor by just exercising. And when, when I met my husband, we kind of had a scare with his dad and his dad is not in the best health and he's only 62 and my kids love, love, love their grandpa. And I just, that's another thing that sets in my mind is I'd never want when I have, hopefully when I have grandchildren, I never want them to see me in that state of health. And so that's mm -hmm. another major motivator when you see it from both perspectives you try to do the best you can to show them that your health is important mentally and physically. Um, just like at night, we, um, we've made it a big task to read, shut off electronics, shut off the TV 30 minutes before bed and read. My son actually read, I read Relentless with him just in the past two weeks. And it's a little above his head, but it's the point that you're, you're making an example for your kids. Yeah. No, you you make a really good point there. And we talk about this often with our kids. We always talk about it when we like when we sit down and we read scriptures at night. And it's not so much the information that they gain from reading this reading that kind of stuff that is kind of above their head at this point. It's not that they're actually retaining the information, but they what they are retaining is the habit of doing it. And that's that's really important for parents to understand at this age. And then they see, you know, they see the food you put in your, your body. Like they go to their grandparents' house and they were, you know, they're kind of allowed to eat which, whatever. That's, um, that's grandparents. But I want them to see that their mom and dad always right. take the time to try and cook them healthy meals every single night. And food is fuel for your body. You have to have like an untracked meal on Saturday night and it's going to as long as you make healthy food 80 to 90% of the time. And that's one of the biggest things that I preach to my kids is if you want to be able to run, my kids, you know, they're young and energetic and they love to just run and do sprints and bike. And I'm like, if you want to be able to do that, you have to treat food as your fuel. And that's, it resonates with my son because I'm like, you know, would you put diesel or water in your tractor, Kenton? And he said, well, I would put diesel. And I said, well, it's the same thing for your body. Yeah. And, and, and so you're doing this. So I didn't get this stuff growing up. I really didn't, and you know, not no, uh, no. Right. I'm not blaming my folks at all. Obviously, they they all do the best they can. Our foot parents all did the best they can, but I didn't get those lessons growing up, and I had to learn them on my own. and And then when when Carrie and I got married, really learned it then. But to give your kids a head start on that stuff because they're let's face it they're going to be us someday they're going to be the leaders of their own generation one of these days and to get them to understand that really this early in life and understand what how what food really is and how important it is to eat foods that are, are are real and have nutritional value and have and like you say that are fuel you know, they have a leg up. They are setting themselves up for success. Well, and I think a big thing is um, there's a total disconnect with, you know, I know we raise our kids the same way, but being able to go into the schools with my job and also with Farm Bureau, which we're involved in, we've been able to get into classrooms a little bit pre-COVID, but seeing that there's kids that don't know where their food comes from, seeing the kids that don't have that advantage it's one of the things that I want to teach my kids. So maybe one day they can teach somebody as well and getting kids involved in the kitchen because there's so many kids out there that just go through a drive-through 
and they have no idea where their food comes from. So I think that's also very, very important for parents to teach their kids is just basic cooking and that you can't, the store doesn't provide your food, farming provides your food, and that there are farmers out there mm-hmm. that provide every single thing that's gone on your plate. So I want to go back to something here that you said that I, it really struck with me because this is something that I, I really try to nail down for people and I people I really respect uh, have the same attitude and it's it, it's when it goes back to time nothing I think mm-hmm. aggravates me more and I don't want to say aggravate because you know because I I felt like this at, at one point um, but it, it does it kind of like eh, you're missing the point when people say well I don't have time to work out or I don't have time to eat healthy or pay attention to whatever, or even take it another step further or read that book or, or whatever it is, you know, the thing that they want to do, but they say they don't have time for. And I, I, I just really oftentimes call BS on that because there's time, there's time for anything that you want to make a priority. There's always time. Now you're going to, you're going to have to sacrifice. There's going to be some huge sacrifices along the way, but there is time. You are able to fit that stuff in. Um, I've always said, you know, because social media is such a huge outlet and it is huge outlet for both of my jobs as well. It's a great marketing tool, but if you have 30 minutes for Facebook or Instagram, you have 30 minutes to work out. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, 100%. that is, you know, that's one of our biggest things and putting down, you know, we work every single week. We're both on our phones. That's just, it's a habit of today's society, but we work every week on putting the phone down more and picking up books more or going. I mean, we don't have a problem being outside, but it would be a goal for somebody who doesn't go outside as much, especially during COVID times to, instead of doing something else for 30 minutes, go, go do an activity or exercise for 30 minutes. What I've loved to see on your wife, Carrie's um, Instagram is that you get your kids out when it's cold. And I just applaud you because there's so many parents that are like, it's too cold to go out. And I'm like, just bundle them up. The cold air is great for them. So that's just yeah. something that I wanted yeah. to say that I've seen on your and Carrie's Instagram that I've just enjoyed. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not always easy, no. right? No. You know, but, we, but we, we do it. I mean, Two of our boys, it's e- it is easier for them. Levi and Carter, it's it's pretty easy to get them out and doing stuff. Uh, the other two, uh, it's not so much. But we do it, and we we have this the when you see us go sledding, that's at a actually that's not at our home. That's at our we have another farm on on the other side of town, and we bought that like six years ago. And that's like our, that's our deal. We get to get that. We love when it snows because we get to go to that hill and, and we sled down it. And I mean, it's, it's like this past weekend, it was so freezing cold, um, but we still, we do it. And it's so much fun. That's so funny because we are the same way. We have another farm that's just probably seven minutes from us and they ha- it has giant hills on it. And so when it snows, we go over there to sled and pull each other around rather than we don't have a lot of hilly terrain in our current farm that we live on so that's funny isn't it funny how how fast the the landscape can change because i feel like you you guys are you're a little bit further south and west than me but i think that's just the way like the ozarks are is that it 
there are there are like some really steep hilly places but they're like where i live where it's i mean where we live it's it's super flat i'm on prairie ground and it's just um there's the only way we could sled here is if you pulled it behind a four-wheeler yes. or something like that <laughs> that's how our which is. we've done that we do that too oh absolutely <laughs> yeah we do that too but that's here it's pretty flat and then like i said just seven minutes away it's a little more rocky and there's bigger hills and the soil is even different. Yeah. Oh, I know. So it is Missouri ground and Missouri weather are about the same. You never know what you're going to get. You never know. It's so different wherever you go. I always like to ask people when that when they are on like a health journey and on something because you do have to take some things out. Like you have to do some some old things you used to do you don't get to do anymore because of the sacrifice. What was the biggest sacrifice for you on your health journey? Um, it was definitely relearning how to eat. Um, mm, okay. You know, you grow up in a very Midwestern lifestyle and I never had a problem growing up as far as eating. Like I could eat whatever I want and I could go burn it and it would be no problem. Well, you get older and you have children and you learn that you can't eat that way. And so relearning what worked for my body because what works for my body doesn't work for, let's say my husband's body. He's a much bigger man than I am. So he requires more calories. So relearning how to eat and what works for my body. And I know that I have a type of insulin resistance because I've had diabetes. I don't have diabetes, but I know that I am prone to it now. And it's in my family history to have it. So I eat a much lower carb lifestyle than most do. And growing up in the Midwest, it's hard because on your plate, it's usually meat and potatoes. And Right. That is something, I mean, when you go to my grandparents' house, my grandma was always going to have like a steak and potatoes for you. And I've just always had to kind of, you know, in the past three to four, five years to say, you know, I'm not going to eat the potatoes. I'll eat a salad instead. I will say prep when you're prepping for a competition is very different. I did a lot of intermittent fasting after my kids and it worked really well for me. But when you're trying to build muscle, it doesn't work. Um, you need a metabolism that runs fast. So that requires your body to eat protein every two to three hours. And so even in the last year, I've had to relearn how to eat because I would intermittent fast for 12 to 16 hours and then eat what I want in a short window of time. And it worked great, but I was doing strictly cardio. And then mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. I started in prep, I would get more, a little more carbs, but I would eat a whole lot more. It felt like the first three weeks was almost a shock to my body, which with, was how much I'm eating. Um, I typically eat 170 grams of protein a day. And so when you go from eating about 90 to that much, it takes a little bit for your body to adjust. But I would say that's the biggest thing is relearning how to eat so, and how so to when, eat for your body. When you, when you start eating like that, when you start increasing more, like, getting more protein do you notice it like does it make you how does it make you feel because you know whenever you use I know everybody will talk about whenever they decrease their carb amount they, you almost feel like flu like is there do you do you ever experience any of that not now that I have switched my eating in the last year being on prep um the first two weeks I felt very full um not really sluggish but my body just felt really full like full of fluid and my coach reiterated that that was very common, that my body will get accustomed to that. And then we, in the bodybuilding world, you have what's called off season where you get more carbs and you lift more and you're much stronger. I will say my strength now compared to a year ago is night and day. 
adding carbs and getting protein in my body every two to three hours will change your strength level tremendously. I'm lifting almost as much now as I did in college. Wow. So what, what are your workouts look like? I'm, I'm just curious, like what's, what, what does that, what does that look like for you? I mean, obviously when you're in an off seat, it looks different at different times of the year, but you know, typically what, what kind of, what kind of exercise do you do? So right now I'm in prep. So I'm in season. I have 15 weeks until competition. So right now I lift six days a week and I cardio six days a week. Um, I have one off day and I usually take that on Tuesdays because that's my longest day at work. I see. So the other days I do, I have two leg days a week, two upper bodies, and then I do like accessory work the other two days. Um, and they're awesome. usually, they're usually an hour and a half long on the lifting, depending on what day you're on. And then I do 35 minutes of cardio every morning. Okay. Okay. So you, you do your cardio in the morning and do you, you do cardio every morning? Every morning, except usually Tuesday or Saturday Tuesday. morning. Yeah. And then you do the, then you do your lifting in the evening. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, and so the lifting session, so you're putting in about, what do you say? Two hours of, of, of working out a day? Yeah. Yeah. Usually? Yeah. And okay. then in the off season, okay. it's not as much. Um, I don't do hardly any cardio. Now I do like to run. So I do. Uh -huh. And out here we have a lot of room to run. And so right. I do enjoy running. So that's something like if I want to run, I will go run just to clear my mind and for mental health, go run. And that does count towards my cardio. But right now you and Carrie are awesome to run in the dark because I cannot run in the dark. I am terrified of running in the dark. I, I'm like, every morning I get on and I see your Instagram posts and I'm like, they are awesome. I mean, I cannot run in the dark. <laughs> so it's, whenever summer, it's whenever a lot summer, better than it used to be. <laughs> whenever summer gets here, I'll be right along board with the morning runs. But right now it's too dark at 530 in the morning for me to run. <laughs> yeah, that's... Um... You know, it's funny that you and I are talking right now because Carrie and I are both, we had this, we had this discussion this, this afternoon where we feel like we might actually be running too much. I, I know I'm not lifting enough. You know, it, it, I'm at a, I'm at a strange place for myself because I'm a big guy and I, I, but I've always just been always where I lift super heavy and then not do a whole lot of cardio, but I'm at this like crossroads where I'm running a lot, but I'm not lifting again as much. So like, I'm, I'm trying to find another sweet spot between lots of lifting and, but also making sure I get runs in too. So, you know, it's a, it's a, con and that's, and I think it just goes to show fitness is, is a, it's a journey. There's like no like one destination where everybody gets and you change it up from time to time. And that's what's great about it is you you can if you might like maybe feel like you're bored or even plateauing, you can switch it up. There's so many different things you can do. Well, and that's what I wish people would know that everybody that's on a fitness journey and has made it more of a lifestyle change you know, we change it up all the time, according to what our body is telling us. Like there are days where just yesterday, I usually don't take an off day on a Wednesday, but my child was up gone. I had worked all day. He just said, I need to rest that day and that's okay. And there are different diet changes. Um, the biggest thing is 
I don't like fad diets. Like when I hear people saying that they want to go vegan or they want to try vegetarian because it's the in thing. Um, if you talk to any nutritionist, which we have an MPA in our extension office, their message all the time, if you're a nutritionist is fad diets, aren't the way to go. They're never going to sustain your mm-hmm. body. You need to have an equip, like just a level balanced diet at all times. And that may look different for everybody. Like what, like I said, what works for my body is a lower carb, a lower carb diet. It helps my fat loss. It helps most of the people in my family. Um, but it doesn't always work for everybody. Some people need more carbs and you do need carbs to bulk up and to gain muscle. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And you know, I'm glad you said that about the fat diets too, because we talked to just a couple of weeks ago, we talked to Nicole Rodriguez and that was a big part of what her and I chatted about was, uh, was fad diets. And, you know, Carrie and I too talked about that and they just aren't healthy. You know, they'll get you, I mean, they can't, and I'll admit they will, and they can get you skinny or, or thinner, but the, that's not the, because losing weight and becoming thinner and doing all that, that's, that's great, but it should be, that should be a byproduct of the work that you're putting in. That should be a byproduct of your overall health journey instead of trying to get that way as soon as you can. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing is people need to look at more of a long-term goal and rather than I would like to lose 30 pounds in the next three months. You know, it would be great if you lost 30 pounds in the next three months, but what's your long-term look like? Like you can't gain that weight back after. And, and that's what a lot of times happens with these fad diets is, is it all just comes right back on and, and even more so and, and like, and, and more than where you were when you initially lost the weight, wanted to lose the weight. Um, it, it all comes back and then some, a lot of, a lot of times and, you know, I have to be, you have to be, to be very intentional, you know, and it's like you say, you it's a lifestyle change. It's not something that you're going to just, oh, I'm going to starve myself and restrict myself for uh, in six, eight weeks, and then I'm back to where I was before and everything's going to be fine. No, that's not that's not going to work. It has to be a long-term sustainable plan. And then not only does that, you know, it takes a toll on you physically when you lose that weight and then if you gain it back, but it takes a huge toll on you mentally. Mm-hmm. And so that's what like the physical exercise is also my outlet for my mental health. Like there's so much going on. I need that hour, hour and a half a day to rechannel and, you know, get out my frustrations and get out my stress. And I wish that more rural Americans would know that, that if you just started, let's say like 20 minutes a day, then bump it up to 40 minutes a day you would find those endorphins that your body naturally makes would help your mental health. And that's why I love this podcast so much is because there's not another one that touches on mental health in rural America as much as this one. And it's not talked about enough. Yeah. And, you know, there are people who are doing it more. There's, there's way fewer people who are doing it than who aren't. And there's so many people where that message needs to be reached and, you make we you make a good point, and it's a point I make often. In that, when you start working on your physical health, and you you do things that are perceived as being good for your physical health, like working out, exercising, running, whatever it may be, 
that's going to benefit your mental mental health as well because it it gets rid of a lot of your anxieties it gets rid of a lot of your stresses or or channels them in a healthy way and you're dealing with them health in a healthy way instead of the unhealthy ways where so many rural Americans do. I mean, I was one of those rural Americans who, who did that, did it in an unhealthy way. And, you know, I felt it, I knew it and I don't ever want. And again, you go back to motivation, the motivation of your kids and, and being an example for your kids. And that's a huge part of what the, of what I do for myself and my family is, I don't want them to learn the hard way like I did. I don't want them to have to go through the bad stuff I had to go through to appreciate what I have now. I want them to understand the importance of that at a young age. And then, you know, it's, it's about changing the legacy. Right. And that's what, you know, I haven't really touched on it, but my, so me and my husband, we farm just us. So he came from a family farm and we're all that's left. And a lot of it is, you know, he, he's got family that they're not in the best of health and his dad will come out and help like just kind of watch as we run cattle through and he just wants to be there to watch it to feel that he can't physically do it anymore. And it's because he didn't take care of himself over the years. And I don't say that to be mean about it at all, but he wasn't educated from a young age on you have to take care of yourself if you want this to be something that you're here forever. And like I said, I still want to be farming when I'm 60, 70, 80 years old alongside my kids because we're all that's left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, what a, what a great, I mean, to get as many generations doing it together as, as possible. I mean, that's, I mean, that's super powerful. And, and, you know, so let's say you are, you're 80 and you have, you're out helping with great grandkids at a certain point. I mean, what, how special will that be? I mean, it's going to be, that'll be great. That would be, and that's something that, you know, we look at as a whole, like, I'm like, that's, that's a goal that I want, you know, I want great, you know, my grandkids to be able to call me and say, Hey, what did you do when you had this problem in farming? Or, Hey, can I get your help on this? And they never have to worry about my health because I'm there. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You mean, and let's think about that. Let's go sit, sit on that for a second how much stress in a generational farm in rural America is it for to worry about our the older generations how much of that is you know you're worrying about their health you're worrying about their well-being i mean i know it's a huge part for me and my well i mean my folks are in their 80s my mom, my poor mother just broke her arm last week uh, so uh, you know so we're always worrying about them and but to maybe have that burden eased a little bit because you're going to be in good shape. I mean, how's that, how much easier is that going to make it on the generation below you? And then, you know, for, for generations to come after, after you're gone. I mean, that's, that's super powerful. That's a great point is I don't want to put any more stress or burden on the next generation because they're going to have a whole another set of problems that we're, as our generation, we don't even see it yet because it's not here. Whereas like, you know, when me and my husband are in the hay field, I'm having to constantly find a sitter for my kids. And it's not always, you know, my in-laws aren't in the best shape. Speaking of your mom breaking her arm, my mother-in-law fell on New Year's Eve. She broke her shoulder and tore her rotator cuff. And they are my, they are my babysitters to my four-year-old. 
Mm-hmm. And so when she goes mm-hmm. to have that shoulder surgery, I'm going to have to find a babysitter. And if Clint's dad was in better shape, I would feel, you know, better about him keeping her. Not that he isn't capable because he has been watching her since I've been back to work, but it's just another stress added to our lives that I don't want my kids to ever have to worry about. Yeah, no, you're, I mean, and, you know, it's funny. I never really thought about it in that context of staying healthy as long as you can until you and I just, it, it kind of came to me when I thought, and when we were chatting and that's just another layer of this and then just another reason to take charge of your health. And because, you know, not only do you not want to it to be a burden to yourself, you don't want it to be a burden to others either. Right. And we don't know what, you know, healthcare is going to look like in, you know, 40 years. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Don't get me started on <laughs> that. We don't know what it's going to look like in 40 years. And it's scary to even think about. I'm like, I don't want to set, I don't want to set foot in a hospital right now, <laughs> let alone in 40 years, who knows what it looks like. And so to the generation right. of farmers that are around our age, it's so important to take care of your health because the generation before us and even before us, you know, me and my husband talk about his, his both of his grandparents or both of his grandpas are veterans. He had one that fought in World War II and he had one that fought in Korea. And those men were the greatest generation. And they, they didn't necessarily have the same health problems that the generation, which would be our parents under them, because they were constantly working. I mean, they weren't necessarily educated about food. They just ate what they had and they worked, you know, sun up to sun down. And that's why they were able to stay in the shape that they were in was because they were constantly working. Well, then, you know, the next generation came, came along and it was a little more sedentary lifestyle. And then the next generation, which is us, it's an even more sedentary lifestyle. And so I think people have to make it a priority. If you have an office job, if you're sitting more than let's say five to six hours a day, you have to take time out of your day to exercise your body. That's how God designed our bodies was to move. Yeah. And you you make a good point. And I actually touched on that a few months ago in just, I think it was an Instagram post where I made, I talked about before the people who lived on the frontier lived rurally were the healthiest around because they, they had to be. They had to be. What other choice did they have? They didn't yes. have the luxuries of being close, of any healthcare whatsoever, you know, no matter how limited it was in the urban areas. Uh, you know, there was nothing like that where, you know, on the frontier. And we've lost that. And that it's my, you know, that's my goal yes. is, is to make that, you know, I don't know if we'll ever get to that point, um, but at least make it on par with, with, with people in urban areas. I mean, there's the own challenges of living in urban areas too, but I think for the most part, you can say that a lot of times they are healthier uh, as a whole. And I want to see that. I want to see us at least get as healthy as people in, in cities, because I want this way of life to continue as I'm sure you do, as I'm sure anybody who lives here does, because we enjoy it so much, but it's not going to continue if we don't get healthier, if we don't get better. Right. And, you know, we're a sinking population. In 1990, 4% of Americans were farmers. In 2020, 1%, less than 1% of America are farmers. So we're shrinking just in 20 years, 20, 30 years, we're shrinking by 3%. So what does the next 30 years have in total? You know, what do our kids have ahead of them? 
So the biggest thing is to let people be aware and educate people that it, this lifestyle doesn't have to, you don't have to make healthy eating and exercising hard. You can fit it in. Like we've talked about, everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. Either sacrifice 30 minutes of a morning of sleep or something at night. And you can do it before yeah, or work. Or 30 minutes of TV yes. or 30 minutes of Instagram or yes, whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's the generation that we've talked about. That is, you know, me and my husband, that's the generation that we look up to the most because we feel like they had the hardest stressed and they were still able to do what they did. And you don't hear a lot of that generation complaining. And, you know, I feel like my generation, the generation below me, complain about a lot of just daily life things. And I'm like, you yeah, don't have no. it as hard as some have had it. You know, my, right, I actually got exactly. the phone with my grandpa last night and his mom, which would be my great grandma. She, um, she passed away when I was around 12 and he talks about her when they would have a big hay crew that she would go out and bring four chickens necks and pluck the feathers. And that's what they were having for lunch. And I'm like, I cannot imagine as a woman having to go do that right now <laughs> and cook for 15, 20 of your hay crew. And just, I mean, their physicality, they were able to handle so much and complain so little. Oh yeah. No, hundred percent. You, you've hit the nail on the head there. Well, I want to be respectful of your time because I know you've got it busy. We've all got it busy. So I want to make sure, uh, first of all, I want you to share wherever people, if people want to reach out to you online, what's the best way to do that? And then maybe just to wrap it up and share anything that we may not have covered or even reiterate something we did. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Sammy Bolin. I'm on there and then on Facebook as well. And I just want to thank you so much. I feel so honored that you have asked me to come talk on your podcast. Like I said, because when you announced that you were going to start this platform, I was so excited that somebody was going to talk on different aspects of rural America, especially on the mental health. So I just want to, I just want to thank you for having me. Oh, well, I mean, I'm honored that to have you on because you do, you form bonds with people online and even, especially in this time, you, you can, I mean, social media is all what you make it right. It's either a medicine or a poison depending on, on the dose and how it's taken. So I feel fortunate to have people like you who, you know, we not we haven't met in real life yet, but you know, we still have been able to form a bond and, you know, the, but then be able to come on here and actually have a real life conversation that, you know, it makes it stronger, it makes the bond stronger and I'm I'm very thankful for that. Absolutely. And then, you know, the great thing about podcasts is that you can tell, you know, your mom, your grandma, and they can easily access a podcast and maybe it's something that they need to hear. And that's why I like that you have so, you know, your diversity of guests that you've had on are so diverse and they all have a story to tell. And maybe it's something that some, you know, one of your family members, maybe one of your friends have needed to hear. So that's great. And what's great about it too, what another thing that's great about podcasts is Nobody has to know that that's what you're doing or what you're listening to. It's totally a safe way to maybe get these thoughts changed and around to the right direction. And, you know, it's a totally stress, shame-free, I don't know, there's no shame in any of it, but there's no, it's, it's a really great place for people to start. And that's what I've 
I've found I've taken a lot of pride in it. it might be the you know I'm not the end all be all of whatever their journey is but I might be the beginning of it and that I mean it's it has to start somewhere absolutely yes so well Sammy I appreciate it I appreciate your time I appreciate just I appreciate your friendship I really do and I appreciate I the su- the support that you have given the podcast and then that you give my wife too I mean it's, it's cool that we are forming this community and that we're a part of it it's it's really truly awesome she is amazing there are days that people especially in farming you know you have ups and downs and people that don't farm you know they have ups and downs but to be able to get on it on social media and like you said it can, you can either take it for what it's worth and it let it be, you know, like you said, your medicine or your poison and food's the same way, but to be able to get on there and you're like, okay, well, she may have had a bad day, but I can go, you know, she's still working out. So I can go work out and to have that motivation. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and, and to have that and it feeds you and it energizes you. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I, I, that I totally agree. I'm hoping to make it up to one of her well, um, yoga sessions. I'm like, you know, it's not that far away. One day, maybe I can. It's growing all the time. It's getting huge, really. I mean, not huge, but huge compared to where we thought it would be. I mean, she's went from three classes a week to six in just two weeks. So um, it's needed, you know, and that's, and you know, it's just another part of doing our part to, to make rural America healthy. I mean, it's, it's just, that's what we're trying to do. And I, I love that it's part of our marriage that that's, one of the things that we're kind of, we're doing it separately, but also together too. And it's, it, it's, it's really a cool thing that we're able to do. Yes. And I want to congratulate you guys on that, that, I mean, it's a feat to take on your own business, let alone in rural America where you don't know, you know, what's going to happen. That's always a question, like, how's it going to go over and how, you know, but I love seeing the success of it. It's amazing. So congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you. And yeah, I mean, what we got, I think it's about probably two, a little over two hours. Eh, no, I don't know. Where, how far are you from Buffalo? Um, From Buffalo? I'm probably an hour from Buffalo, an hour west. Oh, are you that far? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I was going to say Buffalo's about an hour and a half. So that's about two and a half hours. So you might have to make a whole day out of that's it. That's what, <laughs> you know, I really want to, I, we don't have a yoga, like we, I think we have one yoga studio that's closer, but their times just never match up. Right. But I'm hoping to make, I just, just to support her because it's, it's a feat to take on and I can tell how passionate she is about it. Oh, super passionate. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Well, cool, Sammy. Well, I appreciate your time here again tonight and, uh, look forward to meeting up with you guys, with you and Clint in the future. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.